so I got into that. I kept it quiet. I didn't say anything. You know, you can go in there. You can exchange pictures with people. You can talk with people. And it's just, uh, it'll take you farther than you want to go. One early January morning, um, I mean, 530, the the police were banging on my front door. And I look out the window, and there were these police cars there in my yard. And I thought, oh, my gosh, something is really wrong in the neighborhood. What is happening? So I come downstairs, I open the door, and the policeman say, um, is this where um, Jeff lives? And I said, yes, uh, but I, I think you have the wrong Jeff. They said, no, ma'am, we don't. And they gave the address, and they said, we have a search warrant for your home. I'd say, God, please take this away. Take it away. I don't want to do it anymore. And I just said, uh, you know, Pastor Scott, I have a question for you. He said, okay. And I said, do I have biblical grounds for divorce? I want to know if I have biblical grounds for divorce. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Genesis 2, 24. Let marriage be held in honor among all. Hebrews 13, 4. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Matthew 19, 6. These are all verses in the Bible establishing marriage as holy matrimony, a covenant between one man and one woman. But what happens when there are lies, deceit, and betrayal in a marriage? Are these legitimate grounds for divorce? And if so, is divorce really God's best? Is there a way for two people seeking God's will to have healing, restoration, and love inside this little thing they call marriage? These are the questions that I want to discuss today as I have a husband and wife that want to share their incredible life change story. So, hey, friends, why don't you introduce yourself and let the listeners know who you are? Hi, my name is Amy. Uh, I live in Ozark, Arkansas. And uh, Eric, thanks for having us. Uh, This is a, a great opportunity. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. Glad to have you. Hi, I'm Jeff uh, from Ozark, Arkansas. Uh, Thank you, Eric, for the time to come before you. Well, Jeff, glad to have you here, too. So I'll tell you what, let's just jump right into it. The listeners don't know who you are and where you're from, and they don't know where you were born. So why don't we start with Amy? So Amy, tell us a little bit about your childhood, kind of where you were born, and tell us about your family, how many people in your family, and so forth. Okay. Um, I'm a true Arkansan. I was born in Little Rock, um, and then we moved to Clarksville, Arkansas, when I was two, and then I was raised there. Um, I was there until, uh, until I met Jeff and got married. So do you have any siblings? I do. I have an older brother and a younger brother and uh, two wonderful parents. Um, they provided me with a, with a good childhood. They, uh, they raised me up. I, I always knew that I was loved. I always knew that I was provided for. Um, but uh, God was not always in the picture. And um, I knew all about God. I knew about Jesus. Um, but it was a head knowledge. And so it did not really change anything about my life. I can look back now and see that um, performance was a big deal to uh, seek approval through performance and getting those kind of accolades. So I tried to do as much right as I could. However, yeah, sure, I messed up. Um, But uh, a lot of a lot of performing as I grew up and trying to be uh, a good girl. 
So mm-hmm. whenever, you know, as an adult, we look back at our childhood and we can see some what I call dysfunctions. So as you go back and you look at your childhood, do you see any dysfunctions in your family or, or not? Eric, there were a lot of dysfunctions. Um, and I know that they're present in every family um, and, and that we're not an anomaly. But um, so my parents divorced when I was in the fifth grade. And back then it wasn't as prominent as it is now. And so when they divorced, it was a big surprise, did not see it coming, had no idea. And um, it, it left me uh, feeling kind of isolated, I guess, or like something was wrong with me because of my parents getting divorced and none of my other friends' parents were getting divorced at that time. Um, so that was in fifth grade. And then as we went along, um, I kind of found out more uh, of, of what caused the divorce. And as I, as I have gotten older, I, um, you know, my parents have been happy to sort of reveal some of that, which has been good because it's allowed me to see it from, well, now I can see it from God's perspective. You know, I can see it through God's eyes. Um, My dad had chosen an alternate lifestyle, um, but we were a prominent family in that community. It's a small town. Um, He actually did something that ended up being very public and in the paper. And so um, kind of like as we will get to later on um, with with Jeff's crime it was very public (laughs) and in the paper and on the news and so i don't know god has a way of preparing us for things and you know he just he's just good in his grace to to do that so whenever your parents got divorced a lot of children put blame upon themselves they think it's my fault some i did something you know did you do that i mean what was your how was your what was your identity did you believe about yourself my identity when that happened was just feeling lost and absolutely like the rug had been pulled out from my feet and there was no stable ground. There was no security and what was it going to be like going back and forth between my parents. Um, and that is where my grandmother came in as a as a rock for me at that time and then stayed that way um, until she passed. So, uh, but yeah, I kind of thought, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then especially whenever um, I was in high school and found out the root of, of, of what my dad had done. Um, and then when I went to tell my friends about it, you know, they already knew. Uh, <laughs> so I went through high school just wondering who all knows this about me and what do they think about me? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of was just like fighting that uh, quite a bit and just trying to figure out who I was. So where did you go to college or how did you transition from high school? Did you go directly into college or did you work a little bit before? How did that how did that go for you? Well, it was expected that we were going to go to college. And so um, I went to college there at the University of the Ozarks. Um, and then I went to Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa, and I came back to the University of Ozarks. And I had so I had two years of college. So, Jeff, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, tell us where you grew up and maybe a little bit about your family. I was born in Decatur, Illinois. Um, I was only there three days. My dad played minor league ball for the St. Louis Cardinals at the time as St. Louis Redbirds. So on the way back from a game, mom went into labor. I was born there and then back to Springdale. And so most of my life was spent in Northwest Arkansas, the Springdale, uh, we did get transferred to Florida for four years, and then Dad was transferred back. So 
the majority of my time was spent being raised in Lincoln, Arkansas. Um, very good parents. Um, it was a strong Southern Baptist family, hardworking family, man's word with his word, you know, uh, old school. And we, we absolutely lo- we were raised hunting and fishing, absolutely loved the outdoors. So we, that was our focus yeah. was the outdoors not getting a girlfriend. I mean, it was we were focused on fishing and hunting. So no dating in high school then? Uh, I did date. Uh, the first girl I dated, um, it would have been probably towards the end of the 10th grade. Uh, but there was still more focus on the hunting and fishing, of course. But the second semester of the 12th grade, she got pregnant. So... Of course, um, had to go to work, get a place to live, go to work. My parents, I mean, that was kind of unheard of back then. So were you expected to marry her since she got pregnant? We did get married. Okay. So were you still in high school when you got married or out of, okay, so you were, would you say sophomore or junior? Senior. Oh, senior. It was second semester of the 12th grade. Okay. Second semester of the 12th grade. So you got married young. Young. Yeah. So um, that must have been really difficult. It was very difficult. It, you know, being so immature, you know, a lot of lot of pressure to deal with. I was very selfish because I focused on the fishing, and uh, you know, the marriage didn't last long. How long did it last? Five years. Okay. So you're a senior in high school. I, I and again, I'm making an assumption that you did not go into college because you got. Married so young, so you got went right into the workforce. What were you doing for a living right out of high school? I got a job at Campbell Soup. I, my granddad worked at Campbell Soup, and I had an uncle, and they were both managers there. So I went to work for Campbell Soup in Fayetteville. So you're working mm-hmm. at Campbell's. You're going through some hard times with your with your wife. You guys get divorced, and she gets custody. And so, do you stay at Campbell's, or where did you go next? I uh, eventually went to uh, Simmons Foods in Solemn Springs, worked with them for a while, and then uh, I went to work for Peterson's. And I had just been with Peterson's one year and got a fantastic job offer to go to the pharmaceutical side of animal health. It was a great job, uh, company car, Great benefits, expense account, twice the money I was making. So let me ask you this. Let's uh, connect the two dots here or the uh, the two lines. So where did you meet this this girl over here on your right? And uh, so this is Amy. So I just want to introduce you in case you didn't know okay. who it was. So this Hi. is Amy. Hi, uh, Amy. So who wants to tell me the story of how you guys met? Well, while I was taking a break from college, I was working behind the front desk at Holiday Inn. And that Holiday Inn happened to be a place where Mr. Jeff Sanders would make his reservations and stay when he came through that part of the state. And so we just sort of met that way. Um, I guess he had told a coworker that he liked me and would like to go out with me, but I had a boyfriend at the time. And so immediately when I broke up with that boyfriend, he knew and he asked me out and um, we went to lunch 
And it was one of those times where we just really, we just connected. And so then we went on a second date a week later. Uh, He joked about getting married and um, I joked back. (laughs) And then there was a ring uh, maybe a week later and six weeks later we were married. Wow. That's Mm -hmm. a God. That's, that's amazing. And so you guys have been married a really long time too. So Right, You're right. We're uh, we're almost to thirty one years. Wow. So, where did you guys live whenever you got married? W- w- were you in Arkansas yet, or not? We were in Arkansas. We lived in the big town of Gentry. That's great. And you were still working for your pharmaceutical company. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Amy, were you working as well during that time, or not? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I worked as a dental assistant, but then decided that just was not going to be fulfilling. And I was able to go to nursing school yeah. um, and I became an RN. And then um, that led us to um, a ability to buy a home in Rogers out um, out on Beaver Lake. And then I worked as an RN from, uh, from then on until um, about six years ago. Okay. So, Amy, how would you rate your marriage in those years before you discovered Jeff's secret? We had great times together. We had great vacations. We had everything materialistically that we wanted. Um, But uh, because God was not in my life, and uh, I think I can speak for Jeff here and say that God wasn't uh, a priority uh, in your life, that, well, that's a piece that you need. And so it was, we had been married um, 20 years before um, things were uh, revealed of what had been going on. So if I was to ask you to describe what were your downs, what were some of the problems that you recognize now that you say, you know what, we just really weren't connecting on these things. So what, what would you say that maybe some of the downs were some problems or issues in your marriage? Well, we never uh, really became best friends. I mean, he was my husband, um, and we had uh, all the things that go along with with being married. But we did not uh, communicate very well at all, and and we did not. Um, we just weren't emotionally uh, close. I would say. Um, but if you would have asked us, we would say, yes, we, I mean, I, I know that we both loved each other um, and things like that, but just to have that intimate relationship together. And I know that once we started going to church and, and I actually prayed a prayer there, um, prayed the prayer to, uh, because I didn't want to go to hell. That was the reason. And, um, but I didn't know it at the time that that was the reason, but for 10 years, I was in the church and I was doing all the things. I was playing the piano and teaching the kids and uh, doing the women's Bible studies. Um, but I would be convicted occasionally about, oh, I, I don't know if I have this real thing called a relationship with you, though, God. And But I've been here for so long. I mean, what's everybody going to think, you know? Right. Um, and so in God's perfect timing, because he is a God of preparation, um, in August of 2012, um, I surrendered my life to him completely and totally. And I wanted to follow him no matter what. And I told him that that day, God, whatever you ask of me, I'm going to do, I, I will do it Lord, because, um, I love you. And because you love me so much that you, your son, you sent him to die for me for my sin. It just, 
it just hit me that day. I wasn't even expecting it, but, but I made a commitment to Christ at that time and I gave him my life and, you know, he knew what was coming. He knew what was around the corner and he knew that I was going to need that relationship with him nailed down. So how long had you guys been married whenever you made that decision to follow Christ? Just short of 20 years. So 20 years into it. And so mm-hmm. you were kind of playing the go to church game and all these other things, but you weren't really didn't have a relationship with Christ. I was, and that's exactly right. But during that time, I did see other couples and I saw couples that, you know, gosh, their husband is leading that family. And she talks about her husband praying with her. My word, how much I would love that. I mean, and, and so even not being, quote, saved and in a relationship with God, I would still pray to him and ask him for that over and over. And I have it in journals. And you know what, Eric? God has given me that. He has given me that desire of my heart now. Well, Jeff, I want you to describe the events that came up to the thing that was exposed. And I don't want to put words in your mouth. So why don't you describe uh, what happened, you know, at this point in y'all's marriage? What uh, what uh, happened to in the events that led up to you being incarcerated? I had uh, been on the Internet and uh, I was traveling 100 percent of the time at that time. So I was never home and. Amy's job was taking probably 90% of her, and we were given everything on both ends to our jobs. And I was sitting next to a guy in Chicago O'Hare Airport. He's over there just laughing up a storm, and he's probably six seats down from me. I said, hey, buddy, what's going on down there? What's so funny? So he told me about this website where you can go on and you can text with people all over the world. So I got into that. I kept it quiet. I didn't say anything. You know, you can go in there. You can exchange pictures with people. You can talk with people. And it's just, uh, it'll take you farther than you want to go. So you made some unhealthy connections. I did. Um, It wasn't good. And... I'd say, God, please take this away. Take it away. I don't want to do it anymore. And some days would be better than others. And, I mean, there'd be weeks, uh, might be months. So how long were you playing that game where you'd do it some, then you'd feel guilty and stop, and then you would pick it back up? I mean, was that a year, two years? How long How long were you playing that game? I'm going to say uh, it was probably a two-year period when it was revealed to Amy. So how did it get revealed to Amy? I'm going to switch over and let her pick up from that side. Okay. And I I think it will go better from her point of view and work towards me, Okay. and then we can pick up from there. So, Amy, he's been having this secret life for two years. Um, How did you – how how did the discovery happen? How did you find out about that? One early January morning, um, I mean, 530, the the police were banging on my front door. And I look out the window, and there were these police cars there in my yard. And I thought, oh, my gosh, something is really wrong in the neighborhood. What is happening? So I come downstairs, I open the door, and the policeman say, um, is this where um, Jeff lives? 
And I said, yes, uh, but I, I think you have the wrong Jeff because there was another uh, Jeff that had the same name. We, we'd get his phone calls all the time. And I said, no, but you have the wrong Jeff. And they said, no, ma'am, we don't. And they gave the address and they said, we have a search warrant for your home. So the police enter in and I don't know what is going on. I have no idea. Um, and they tell me to go stand by a, a female uh, officer and, and that she'll tell me. And so, of course, I'm like, what is happening? And she says, well, your husband has been um, caught um, online with an underage girl. Wow. So that's kind of a shock and awe moment. What was going through your head? I mean, were you in total unbelief? Yes, I was in complete unbelief, complete shock and devastation all at the same time. I just, I had no idea that kind of thing would have never, ever, ever entered my mind. Um, Of course, nowadays it might just because the internet is so much more prominent. Um, Pornography on the internet, all of that is just, it's, it's uh, so much more out there. But at that time, no, Um, I would have been more in tune with, you know, maybe he was having an affair because our relationship had become pretty distant um, just because of the amount of his travel. And like you said, me giving into my job completely as an oncology nurse. Um, And so, uh, yeah, but uh, I was completely shocked and devastated and torn apart. And of course, I cooperated with the police. Anything they wanted to know, um, I told them. And Jeff was not home. He was away at a sales meeting, and he was getting salesman of the year again, I think maybe for the third time. Um, so so he was gone, and the police wanted to know all about that. When is he getting back? And they told me that I could not speak with him. I could not speak with him at all, or I would be in, uh, guilty of impending the investigation. So uh, after they left, the first person that I called was my pastor. And um, he and his wife immediately came over and I just said, uh, you know, Pastor Scott, I have a question for you. He said, "Okay." And I said, do I have biblical grounds for divorce? I want to know if I have biblical grounds for divorce. And this answer is what saved our marriage. His answer was, Amy, yes, you do have biblical grounds for divorce, but that is not God's plan. God's plan is forgiveness. I did not want to hear that. <laughs> I did not know how to do that. But I was willing to do what God wanted me to do as I had given him my life, you know, just a few months earlier. And so as time went on, um, I just had to pray a lot and say, God, you're going to have to show me. Like, you are going to have to show me. I will do what you want me to do, but you are going to have to show me. Show me. And he did. He was faithful to do that. And um, it was a lonely place, Eric. It was it was a lonely place there um, because of the uh, how do I want to uh, of the um, root of Jeff's crime of the uh, of what Jeff had done. It, you know, that's that's not a, a pretty one at all. And so um, I had. The only support that I had was from um, people who knew the Lord were, were church members um, to go to do what God wanted me to do. My family was, um, of course, very concerned about me, of course, extremely hurt by what had happened. And they hurt because I hurt. And um, but they they just, you know, kept telling telling me why I should get out, why I should not stay. Um, and I heard that a lot. 
after I talked to my pastor, then I called, I did call my brother, who was a lawyer and said, Thomas, what do I do? And he said, you need to leave. You need to go by the bank. You need to go to John's house. So my little brother, John, um, you know, he has a tender, sensitive heart and he was there in the raw of, of this. And it does uh, still affect him today. Um, but uh, he was there to protect me, and um, he took the phone calls when Jeff kept calling and kept calling, and I, and I wasn't answering. And um, the investigators ended up somehow at the airport, and they had the wrong truck. And so I called them and said, he's at home now. And um, so then they, they went to the house. and um, so, did, so you called the police and mm-hmm. said, he's home. Yeah. And so did they go and pick him up then, or? They went to the house, um, they questioned him, uh, but I, I don't, they couldn't take you at that time. I don't know. They didn't have any evidence. So they wanted me to come down to the police station and talk to them. I said, no, I'm not coming down there. They didn't have a warrant for my arrest. They just wanted, they took my work laptop, my iPad, my phone, and that's all they wanted. So how did they, they left? They left with my computer, my iPad, and my phone. So did they eventually get the evidence that they were looking for and arrest you, or how did that happen? Uh, Jeff, you ended up turning yourself in. Um, I, I, I remember that because it was you had to go down and have your picture taken um, after you met with your attorney. You got an attorney. You met with him, and um, his recommendation was yeah. that he said that they. You need to go in, just turn yourself in. They're not going to do anything. I've talked to them. They're going to take your picture, fingerprint you, all that, and then you can come home. So, Jeff, what was it like for you coming home after that business trip to an empty house? Um, going back to when I come back from the sales meeting in mm-hmm. Florida, cops have already came. I don't know. Amy's gone. I'm walking in with a basketball head you know my head's swollen up i've won every award that you can win i'm proud of yourself i don't know how many thousands of dollars i had in in our pocket you know where they got to the point that they would either a lot of times pay us in cash so we wouldn't be taxed you wouldn't lose it out of your bonus but anyway long story short i had won everything i could win and then walk in and deal with the police and go through all that. And then I couldn't even look in the mirror and look at myself. You know, to go from the top to the bottom. And uh, it's very hard. You know, sometimes we will not cry out to God till he takes us to the bottom. And... You know, like the old saying, uh, you know, when you hit the bottom, you will cry out to him. And did you cry out to him? Oh, I, I cried. You know, the first thing you want to think about is, am I really saved? Why would I do this? Because I knew, I knew, number one, that I sinned against him. I sinned against him. I sinned against Amy, number two. So you came home, and did you finally connect or not talk? We did. It was uh, two or three, two or three late days uh, later. Jeff uh, was not at the house. He was staying at a hotel. I think he was afraid that they were going to come and get him. I, I'm not sure, but he was at a hotel. And so uh, again, my pastor and his wife, um, they they went with me to um, 
interact with him for that first time. And, uh, I mean, they were such great, they were such great support. Um, so they just sat over in a corner and, um, what I saw there was, of course I was, I was so hurt and mad, Eric, but I mean, I saw, I saw brokenness. I saw Jeff broken for the first time. Um, I had never really seen brokenness to tell you the truth. Uh, he was just sobbing. He couldn't stop sobbing. And I was able to say what I wanted to say or whatever. And we just sort of interacted like that. The other thing that uh, our pastor did is he immediately got us into some Christian counseling. And that is the other piece that helped save our marriage. Um, So we were apart. We were separated for a month, maybe. Um, Again, that timeline is sort of foggy now. But um, we did have a time of separation we were in the counseling together, and we were going to church together. Um, and I just want to say that when something like that happens, and it's never happened before to a very small church, uh, our pastor, you know, he did the best he could. He, but he didn't, you know, he didn't know how to handle it. And so um, his answer was, you know, Jeff, you, you, you really can't come back here until this is all said and done. But Amy will see you Sunday to play the piano, and I couldn't do that, Eric. I, I needed to be at a church where where my husband was going to, at least we were going to be there physically together (laughs) with the Lord. And, um, so maybe a Sunday or two after that, even though we were separated, we were attending church together and see God knew all along that we were going to need a a fresh church family around us. One that we had, that had not been wounded by this as well, because our church family was very wounded. Um, they were very wounded. Um, and so this fresh church family embraced us, um, but God continued to even heal those church members that were wounded. Um, uh, one of the couples, has, uh, they're our best friends today. They stayed with us through all of it. Um, uh, Joe is the one that actually took Jeff when he had to report into jail. So whenever you and the pastor and you guys went and talked to Jeff at the hotel, did Jeff come clean with everything that he had done? Did he come clean with that and admit that or not? Yeah, he didn't deny anything, but he was, he was, he was sobbing the whole time. Yeah, and um, well, he was broken. Yeah. He was broken. Yeah. Uh, again, at that time, I thought, well, he's just really sorry that he got caught. And so this is an, but that's one of the ways that God uh, used to show me throughout. I mean, through two, three, four, and five years that, that this was real brokenness. Right. Mm -hmm. So from the discovery time to the time that he was convicted, how much time was involved there? Eight months, a year, two years, what? Seven, seven, seven to eight months. Seven or eight months. Mm -hmm. So that must've been a living hell for you guys. I mean, that must've been horrible. It was. Horrible time. Yeah. Horrible time. So now, Amy, you had told me earlier that you had accepted Christ and he's in. So how important is that relationship then? Yeah, I'm clinging um, to him with everything that I have. I'm clinging. Once we finally got past the initiation of the cops are gone, we're, I'm doing counseling three days a week. Then we're doing family counseling one day a week. So I'm spending all my time in counseling, and Amy's still working, and there's a lot in between there, you know, us working through and God just giving Amy the strength and and telling her to move forward and to keep loving me. And So was there true repentance in your heart? 
or Amy mentioned it earlier, sometimes people are upset that they got caught. And then some people are like, okay, I, this is, I'm, I've got a problem and I need to turn my life around. I mean, were you at that point? Were you like saying, okay, I'll do whatever it takes. I'm ready to, to turn my life around. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I knew all along that it, it was wrong. I knew that God didn't like it. I, you know, you had that, I had that conviction there. And, um, you know, sometimes you just have to be broken before you can get back on track. Right. And I'd hit that little did I know I'd, it was going to get a lot lower. So describe, describe that to me. So you, you've gone through this, you, you're doing the counseling, all of these things. You guys are trying to work on, you must have been... Uh, We're praying uh, together, reading together. Our big deal was we would take the boat out and go to this little island, and we would go out there and we would just read our Bible and we would pray together And because we're counting down. And we don't know how long. It was eight and a half months or eight months before we went to trial, but we didn't know at that time how long it was going to be. You're just waiting on. They're backed up, and right. whenever you get the call, you get the call. And so we're really focused on God. We're really seeking God. Is it still hard? Did I see what I'd fully done to her, my wife, how I had broken her, but not till later on? The the real God didn't stop working then. It, it as we go deeper into this, the the prison time, the jail time, then the out time, and then He starts we start healing and working, and then I start to understand her as my precious wife. Mm. Um, so that at that time, we were just at the seeking God, uh, waiting for a trial date to come up. Well, guys, unfortunately, we are almost out of time. However, we will continue your story on the next episode. But before we leave, is there anything that you would like to say to the listeners any words of encouragement? One thing I would like to say is uh, I would just like to lift our Lord on high and praise Him because this is, this is His story. It's, we're just walking it out down here. Um, I, we just give Him all the glory. And we know without God, without our Savior and Redeemer, without that precious blood being shed, we we would have no hope. But our situation, 99% of the marriages fail. We we fall in that 1% that made it. But I'm telling you that God can do some amazing things if you just give him a chance. And he has to be there. And uh, if you will just... Bring God into the marriage, into the situation, into the problem. Give him a chance. I mean, it sounds cliche, but just hold on because nothing is impossible with God. And um, change, change, is, change is possible, but it, it unfortunately won't. It, you know, it's not an overnight thing. It's going to take time, um, and it's going to take uh, depending on God, and it's going to take getting help. You know, Jesus is better, so better than any kind of addiction you can have, any kind of um, 
problem that you're going through, you know, I mean, Jesus is there and he is better. So yeah, just, just turn to him and let him, let him fill that hole in your heart. Jeff and Amy, thanks so much for sharing the first part of your story with us. Come back next time when Jeff talks about his incarceration and Amy talks about her struggle with substance abuse. Hey, if you are listening today and you have been struggling in your marriage, if you both want healing and restoration, God can change your marriage into something positive, something good, and something holy. Forgiveness is possible. Healing is possible and change is possible. But if nothing changes, nothing changes. See you next time.